The Hub is a community. Manuscript, book, and print cultures. Stamping problems. You are listening to a podcast by the Trinity Long Room Hub Arts and Humanities Research Institute. The Hub is a space celebrating tenure through the community. The Hub is about impact. Welcome to the fourth Shape ID webinar. My name is Jane Olmeyer and I am Professor of Modern History at Trinity College Dublin. I'm also the PI uh, for uh, Shape ID and Chair of the Irish uh, Research Council. We uh, run Shape ID in partnership with the Trinity Longroom Hub, which is our research institute in the arts and humanities. Going to say a word or two about Shape ID before uh, uh, introducing our wonderful panel uh, today. Uh, Shape ID is funded by the European Commission under the Horizon 2020 Framework Programme to address the challenge of integrating the arts, humanities and social sciences in interdisciplinary and transdisciplinary research. The project, as I said a moment ago, is led by the Trinity Longroom Hub with partners uh, uh, ETH Zurich, Isanova in Rome, the University of Edinburgh, the Institute of Literary Research of the Polish Academy of Sciences, and Dr. Jack Spapham. We've already co uh, completed the literature review, a survey, and just recently the last of our six learning case workshops um, uh, took place with researchers, uh, funders, policymakers, and other stakeholders. Our first webinars in May and June looked at interdisciplinarity in times of crisis and why the perspectives uh, from the arts, humanities, social sciences are so important um, and looked at bridging the gap between AHSS research and policy. In October, um, our webinar looked at best practice from a researcher's perspective with case studies from the neurohumanities. Now, these three are all available on our website and there are links uh, to those webinars in the chat function. For this webinar, we turn to the challenges of funding interdisciplinary research with funding experts from across uh, Europe. So our title today is Funding Interdisciplinary Research with the Arts, uh, uh, Humanities and uh, Social Sciences. And I'm delighted to welcome three amazing uh, panellists uh, uh, to the Zoom room. Um, I'd like to introduce our panellists in the order in which they'll be speaking. So I'm starting with Professor Milena uh, uh, Fuchs, who is Professor of Linguistics at the University of Zagreb. You're very welcome indeed, Milena. It's lovely to have you with us today. You have a long-standing experience of uh, developing initiatives for multi-inter- and transdisciplinary research. Uh, you were the Croatian Minister for Science and Technology from 1999 to 2000. Uh, and then from 2009 to 12, you're you were chair of the Standing Committee for the Humanities of the European Science Foundation, and you are currently uh, a member of the ERC Scientific Council. So you bring a wealth of experience and wisdom to this conversation. Our second panelist today, uh, again, it's lovely uh, to see you, uh, uh, Tobias Badestrom, who joins us from the Research Council of Norway, where he is special advisor in the Department of for international cooperation. Um, in a past life, he was head 
of uh, the Brussels Liaison Office and seconded to DG uh, Research from 2015 to 18. And you dealt with um, uh, SSH uh, integration. I had the privilege of meeting you, Tobias, uh, back at the first Research and Innovation Day in Brussels. It seems like an eternity ago, and it's great to have you with us today. Our third panellist is a very dear friend and colleague, Peter Brown, who is director of our own national funding agency for basic research across all disciplines, the Irish Research Council. Peter has worked at the Higher Education Authority and is a member of the Interdepartmental Committee on Innovation 2020, the High Level Group on Horizon 2020, and the Department of Education and Skills uh, uh, Education uh, Research Group. Peter, great to have you with us today too. So in terms of our audience, it's lovely to welcome so many of you. Over 200 people had registered. The level of interest is fantastic. We have colleagues coming from all over Europe, the Netherlands, Switzerland, Italy, Germany, Belgium, uh, obviously Ireland, the UK, the Czech Republic, Portugal, Lithuania, uh, 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 Poland, Norway, Sweden, Iceland and Israel and many other countries. So it really is lovely uh, that you're with us and also uh, participants coming from the European Commission, the Higher Education Authority here in Ireland, Ireland and funding agencies from across uh, uh, Europe. We're live streaming on Facebook and we're also recording the webinar to share with those who couldn't be here uh, uh, today. Uh, each of our panelists uh, will speak for nine minutes and then we'll open up the discussion to questions from the audience. You can submit your questions through the Q&A uh, button on the bottom of your screen. Um, and then I'll go through the questions and we'll obviously ask, uh, we'll answer as many of them as, as we can. Um, it's really lovely uh, when you ask a question, if you say who you are and where you're coming from. Um, and now and again, if I can, I might even invite you to ask your uh, question your, yourself. So be prepared for that. We'll also share links and references through the chat function. Um, and again, please feel free to introduce uh, uh, yourself um, and share any interesting and relevant uh, uh, links. Please don't use the chat though for asking questions. So I think uh, uh, without further ado, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure now to turn to uh, uh, Milena. Please, over to you. Milena, we can't hear you. So uh, oh, yeah, yeah. now we right, can. You can hear back. me now. Now we can hear you. No, no, I thought Fran Francesca, because she unmuted us. So I thought she'd be doing it you know, the other way around as well, but okay. Uh, I, first of all, I would like to thank Jane and all the people involved. You know, I don't have enough time to enumerate everybody uh, for inviting me here. I appreciate that Jane mentioned that I have been uh, doing, let's say, conceptualizations of inter, multi and transdisciplinarity for over 20 years now. In my research, I also do what I call multidisciplinarity. And if anybody has questions, you know, about the terminology and where it's go going, I think it's best that we leave this for the question uh, for the Q&A section if it's of interest at all. Now, I'm going to start what I have to say uh, with a quote, and it's the only quote I will be using. And Jane, Jane, don't get upset, but I have to take a piece of paper, so to speak, because I don't know this by, ha uh, by heart. Uh, and it goes like this. Uh, the thing that lies at the uh, foundation of positive change 
the way I see it, is service to a fellow human being. And this was said, unfortunately, by the late Lee Ayakoka, basically a businessman, but a great thinker as well. And I'm sure that all of you present, especially the people from the academic milieu, sometimes ask them, you know, I ask myself, why do I do this? Why do I do this research? <clears throat> Will it, but at the, you know, at the end of the day, you do ask yourself, would somebody benefit from what am I doing? Will my research produce something uh, that is to the benefit of a human being and to the, to the service of a human being? Uh, as a big proponent of intermulti and transdisciplinarity, uh, uh, I have advocated various things. I know that today we are looking at the challenges for the funding agencies. And quite honestly, I think that these are very important issues that they are, if I may say, challenges of the first order because it is you people who work in funding agencies that have to sort of gather the right people in the right places uh, uh, in the right way. A terrible mission, but I, I think we're getting there. Things have changed over the 20, last 20 years greatly. Now, I was also asked um, whether uh, uh, I could you know, say a few words about interdisciplinary funding uh, in uh, EU 13 countries. And I don't have a problem with that because I come from uh, EU 13 country, namely Croatia. And uh, I'll say something from my own experience. Uh, we have a, the Croatian funding agency, so that's not a problem. However, the problem lies in interdisciplinarity. And I use this as a cover term for all the other terms as well. Uh, I applied together with a world-class neuroscientist from the, the Brain Institute here at the University in Zagreb to the Croatian uh, uh, funding agency, and then received a phone call from the president of the agency, which, which I found terrible, okay, but we won't go into those details, to tell me that they don't fund anything that is multidisciplinary. So I took you know, the, the thing very seriously and I said, no, you're gonna let it through your normal channels, so to speak. Do with the proposal, whatever you, the way you would handle a monodisciplinary proposal. And that's what they did. In the end, it turned out as, you know, at least I think uh, a red light for the funding agency that they're missing out on a whole, it wasn't, you know, our proposal, but a whole range of very fundamental issues and questions. Why fundamental, you can ask. Uh, they're fundamental because when you look at interdisciplinarity, one of its aims, often very, very apparent, it, that it is that uh, this research aims at solving real life problems. And I stress this, uh, uh, and I'll get to other examples if I have time in the end. So what happened to our proposal? Nothing, of course, we were turned down. Uh, uh, first of all, they had a problem with the panels. They were completely, uh, uh, the panels were, were within the scholarly or scientific domains, call it whatever you like. And then they went into disciplinary, the panel segmentation. Uh, henceforth, the reviewers, uh, I've never read such reviews in my life, and believe me, I've read very many, had no idea what was going on. They were totally unprepared for a pr proposal that was very, very multidisciplinary. 
and focused only on one thing, which was, which was of course, the uh, uh, wrong way to do it. But I won't speak about this anymore. Uh, what I'd like to draw your attention to is that in other parts of Europe, uh, this hurdle has been uh, uh, taken. And I'm very glad to hear that. I know some of the names of people sitting uh, uh, in the audience, and uh, uh, I'm hopeful that what they're doing in their funding agency agencies will go on and on. They are moving in the right direction. And when I said real world problems, this is how you foster interdisciplinarity in one sense and get the right people on board, so to speak. Something that may be of interest uh, at European level, not so much at, uh, uh, I had a meeting last week at which people from the commission were present. And I would like to bring up only two uh, uh, things that I think are relevant for the future for all of us in the end, uh, uh, is that when we look at Horizon Europe, I'm sure that everybody is aware of what pillar two covers. It basically, although you can find the same thing in pillar one and three, but okay, I'll stick to pillar two uh, for brevity's sake, uh, uh, is that you find many topics which are open to uh, uh, social sciences and humanities. And I'm not speaking about the ones that actually have the label, so to speak, on them as be belonging to humanities and social sciences. Uh, and this is uh, uh, important. Uh, because what we were told, so this is not final, but I think that one thing is very important, one very close to my heart, because I've been advocating this for at least 20 years. Uh, the uh, SSH uh, contributions or participations is a better word, will not in all, but in some of the topics enumerated in the second pillar, imply that uh, uh, SSH, I'm using this as an acronym, uh, basically is uh, uh, there from the very start. Now, why is this important? But this also you know, applies to any funding agency, not just the EU. It's when the, you, you get the real life uh, uh, question that your research is aimed at, climate change or God forbid COVID now, et cetera. Uh, etc. But they are multi-layered kind of problems where you need people with the expertise that does come from the humanities and the social sciences and don't think that I've missed out on the arts. They are very, very important in times of crisis, especially. And uh, now, according to, you know, people from the commission, this will start from the very beginning which is important because once you have a big question, you start refining the different areas where you get the, let's call them smaller questions. With the participation of our colleagues from all the disciplines of SSH, uh, this will be a different story because so far in the current still uh, uh, EU program, what happened was that uh, disciplines of the humanities and the social sciences appeared as a kind of add-on to many of the research questions like climate change, et cetera, or now COVID. And uh, uh, this is going to change. However, they are asking, and this is, I'm very glad that this meeting took place last week. They are asking for help from the community of arts, humanities, and social sciences 
to help them art articulate the calls. And this is of essential importance, how the calls will be articulated. And this pertains to national funding bodies as well. It's the call. Then we get to the step referring to my not so good experience here in my country. You have to have panels that deal with this and you have to have reviewers who know what they're talking or writing about. Not an easy task, believe me. I've been with the ERC for many, many years and this is tough, but okay. Especially when you're dealing with interdisciplinarity. So uh, what I think is being introduced or at least I hope uh, is that, uh, uh, Dorian, have I got a couple of more minutes because of, you know, one, okay. What I'm hoping that is going to happen is not the accumulation and accumulation of knowledge. You know, disciplines working, working, the, you know, the life sciences and the medical sciences are great examples, more, more and more. But that we will get to something that in some of my papers, I have called new networks of knowledge. That is the cross section of the expertise between let's say social sciences, humanities, arts, and whatever other life science or biomedical disciplines uh, uh, we have under uh, consideration. Is that fine, Dorian? Jane. Thank you, Milena. Listen, we're gonna come back to this in the discussion because the evaluate the co-creation and the of the call and the evaluation take us to the heart of the issue here. So I mean, this is incredibly uh, uh, helpful. And as I say, we'll come back to it in the discussion. So thank you very, very much indeed. Uh, Tobias, over to you. Thanks a lot, Jane. Thanks for the invitation to speak in this event. It's really interesting to follow the work of Shape ID, which, as you said, is a project financed by the European Commission. I think it will help creating awareness about interdisciplinarity and perhaps also in the long run synergies between Horizon Europe parts, which I find uh, essential. So basically, I will talk about three things in my nine minutes. First, Horizon 2020, positives and shortfalls. Then so, uh, social sciences and humanities in Horizon Europe, prospects and success factors. And then a little bit about what we're doing uh, in the Research Council of Norway with our new 15 portfolios. I will also start actually with a small quote from um, a very interesting OECD re report it's named Addressing Societal Challenges Using Transdisciplinary Research. And it says, for example, transdisciplinary research can address complex problems beyond the reach of traditional science. It can generate both new scientific insights and practical societal benefits. As such, it is a necessary complement, but not a replacement to traditional research practices. However, given the scale and urgency of the human environmental system, challenges that society is currently facing, there is a strong argument that transdisciplinary research needs to be scaled up very considerably and become a mainstream modus operandi for research. So that's the, the teaser in a way. 
So Horizon 2020, the integration reports that, that comes out regularly every year, they show that there are mixed results. SSH involvement outside Societal Challenge 6 has been modest, but some positive trends. We have to remember, for example, that more money has gone to the SSH community via the other societal challenges than directly through the societal challenge six. So that's at least something. Co-design has been challenging. Towards the end of Horizon 2020, my impression is that uh, the SSH integration team is more often invited to add SSH perspectives to, to a topic, but sadly, uh, and with a little bit reference to what Milena said, after 90% of the topic text has been drafted. Uh, economics and political science, they dominate overall, but thematically there are positive exceptions. You, for example, have education and humanities on top in the ICT part, psychology, sociology in transport, and human geography in the climate environment. They're maybe not the number one discipline, but amongst the, the top three. So I find that promising for the future. In the program committee meetings of societal challenges outside societal challenge six, the delegates and the EC officials were very positive when I went there and uh, held presentations, for example. And the expert advisory groups were extra supportive and helped putting SSH integration and interdisciplinarity on the agenda. So I really hope for this to, to continue in Horizon Europe. Over to Horizon Europe, three selected parts. I will talk about missions, green deal and clusters very, very briefly. Um, there are strong opponents for societal engagement and interdisciplinarity. I can name Pascal Lamy, Mazzucato, the mission boards. Uh, so in theory, I'm optimistic, but in practice, it will be, of course, very challenging. For example, something radically new, creating impact for society, real co-design with citizens, then the topic texts have to be completely different than we are used to. Uh, for example, and that's the classic, inserting behavioral change or acceptance of new technologies will not create the wave of top social sciences, humanities, arts experts wanting to look for partners in Europe. Uh, so I think the commission is about to, to get that now. So we just have to work with them. Um, minimum, one, minimum one expert with SSH expertise in panels. I think that's crucial. Uh, I tried myself to, to go in that direction, but it's not easy to convince them about this. Uh, it's important that Shape ID and stakeholders also have a focus on the topic texts and evaluation in their dialogue with the Commission. Shortly about Green Deal, there are promising headlines such as improving the well-being of people, just transition, leaving no behind, etc. And again, changing people's behavior in order to achieve real green shift. But that's challenging, you know, to get focused SSH researchers to, to switch focus to this if those words are just spread out in the text. This has to be done uh, in a good way. But again, we know little about how SSH perspectives in these applications will be assessed or weighted versus other cross-cutting priorities or more technical aspects. 
in the pilot call of Horizon 2020, there is a separate part on citizen society. In my view, that's a little bit the easy way out. So you have a lot of SSH dimensions there and very little in many of the others. Uh, is the commission willing to have more evaluators with interdisciplinary expertise than in ordinary calls? Let's wait and see, but this is again crucial. Now clusters in pillar two in uh, one and a half minute. Uh, flag topics with SSH relevance, that's really the key. How this will be done in Horizon Europe is a key question and how many flags. Uh, I don't think it's wise to have 40-50% flags and in that way it's impossible to convince them about having one SSH expert in each panel, etc. And also I felt that there was almost a tendency of competition when it, when it comes to having a number of flag topics within a certain challenge. This is not the way forward. Program committee structure, green deal and missions which cut across clusters make this increasingly complicated. Uh, societal aspects are well placed, I think, in the key strategic orientations underpinning Horizon Europe. But the topic texts and evaluation procedures, again, remain the biggest challenge. Also one uh, challenge will be that there are very broad clusters. So large focus on synergies inside the clusters in one cluster. So for example, how to ensure environmental friendly aspect of energy in cluster five, or make sure that space issues get attention in the cluster on industry and digital. It doesn't, this doesn't make it easier for, for a policy officer wanting to insert SSH, gender, international cooperation with uh, countries outside Europe, etc. And now I move on to what's been happening in the Research Council of Norway for the last few years. Um, some 50 programs have been switched into only 15 broad portfolios now. Uh, so why do we want to have portfolios? We want to make sure that findings from RCN projects are seen together with other schemes and not least the EU framework program. Uh, avoid duplication, better coordination across policies and sectoral ministries. Fewer boards and a broader mix of competences and sectors in each portfolio board. So as such, it follows a little bit the logic of of missions in research and innovation schemes. So shortly, it's a bit uh, early to say, but overall a larger share to SSH, that's the basis than, than in Horizon 2020, we have more money for that, 15% to the social sciences approximately, and 3% to the humanities. And there are 12 thematic portfolios and three discipline-based ones, one of them being social sciences and humanities. Uh, so what can we say so far? It's easier than before to get synergies, I suppose. Fewer boards to convince about the importance of SSH aspects in societal challenges. But large portfolios also mean more internal bureaucracy and coordination than a small program, perhaps with a narrow uh, thematic scope. Uh, humanities is a priority since the social sciences have much more funding. The coordinators of portfolios meet regularly to discuss 
things like cross-cutting issues, you, humanities, gender, international cooperation, etc. And not least the synergies across portfolios, which becomes more important than, than before. So now I'm soon finished with my introduction. So the aim is to increase the share of humanities from three to 5% of the RCN budget. This is a national strategy following an evaluation of humanities in Norway. And that will be as part of the non, let's say humanities portfolios. So it doesn't mean a new money for typically humanities related RNI, but hopefully more coordinated with the other challenges and portfolios. So um, I think that will be enough from me so far. Thank you. Thank you very, very much, Tobias. Again, some very, very wise insights there based on uh, a very, very, uh, I've got some questions for actually you as well as Milena, but we'll have to hold back now and we'll hear from Peter. Then we'll come back to the Q&A. People are already starting to ask them. So I encourage you to continue to do that as well. I mean, we're gonna have a great discussion, I can tell. But Peter, before we get into that, over to you, please. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Jane. And thank you for um, delighted to be here. And uh, it's been fascinating so far listening to Milena and Tobias. Um, and I think, you know, Milena raised the issue of panels, so really, really, you know, the assessment of research proposals, a really critical thing for, for research funders and something that we're still uh, grappling with. Um, and Tobias has spoken about the, the co-creation agenda, co-creation uh, imperative. Uh, and that's, I think, something um, that Ireland is going to increasingly be facing as we, uh, I think, move towards a more, you know, a mission-based approach and somewhat aligned with the, uh, with the European Union. Um, I mean, from a, the perspective of the Irish Research Council, um, we don't, we're not prescriptive. Uh, we, we don't have thematic constraints in the way we fund. So we're a natural, I think, a natural home um, for interdisciplinary research. And um, because we don't have any, uh, we, we don't place any constraints on the ideas that can come forward. Uh, and we fund within and indeed across uh, disciplines. Um, but so, I mean, from a council perspective, we, we obviously believe that strength in individual disciplines is really important for the ecosystem. And I think the challenge is how do we overlay on that individual disciplinary strength, a really vibrant interdisciplinary research uh, ecosystem. So certainly um, we try to take a lead um, and it's in our current strategy to take a lead on the, the further development of interdisciplinarity within the Irish research system. Um, but there are many, there are many challenges ahead. And um, I think that the, the, the need for interdisciplinary approaches is very much part of national policy as well, but I think we have had limited success um, uh, and we need, to, we need to get this right for the next innovation strategy. Um, so Innovation 2020, which is the outgoing strategy, uh, talks about the uh, interdisciplinary research being key to addressing challenges and the engagement of researchers from across disciplines, you know, can often generate more innovative solutions and new ways of approaching and thinking about problems. So the recognition is there. Um, and it's interesting that interdisciplinarity is not something I've heard. And um, we have a new department for uh, for higher education, research, innovation, and science now, which is which is a really welcome development to try and bring it all together. And um, I haven't heard too much about interdisciplinarity so far, and um, from 
and um, you know in terms of the messaging from the department what we know is that that the the, the foundation of, of our research strategy going forward is going to be talent innovation uh, the, an international island and inclusive island they're the core priorities that the minister has set out in a keynote address there a number of weeks ago and i suppose a question i would have maybe for the irish attendees of this seminar is how, how will interdisciplinarity work in those pillars? How do we want to situate interdisciplinarity across or underneath those pillars? And I think we need to start thinking about that. Um, and we, we, I think we need to be, uh, we need to find a way um, to, you know, to engage in the consultation process for the new strategy and be, be making those kind, making some important points about um, interdisciplinarity um, in the context of the new. Uh, strategy in the new strategy is there room for some form of um manifesto or a statement that might be you know well timed to feed into the the new strategy um within within the council uh, we try and uh, we try and deliver a greater interdisciplinary research within the system through a number of different programs i suppose the flagship program would be coalesce um, and again we we provide a broad framework in terms of national uh, and global challenges, but then researchers are free um, on an interdisciplinary basis to propose, uh, to propose, uh, make funding proposals uh, within that broad framework. Um, and that framework has, has, has evolved and um, to take obviously the sustainable development goals, our own national strategic outcomes, and then it's further evolved to, to um, contextualize issues such as Brexit, a post-COVID world, um, uh, and other, and other salient uh, issues um, and I suppose it's interesting um, that you know the feedback that we got from 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 the panel when we did the first coalesce call um, around the issue of time that these relationships need time to develop and that's I think something for funders that we need to think about um, do we need to be moving towards longer term you know more sustained funding over longer periods of time the two-year project is that enough time to allow the kind of interdisciplinary relationships to form? Perhaps not. Um, but what we did, what we certainly uh, felt was important, was the centrality of AHSS in the interdisciplinary funding proposal. So, in fact, we insist under Coalesce that the Arts, Humanities, and Social Sciences PI is the lead, but must cooperate or collaborate with the STEM co-PI. Um, to come up with excellent proposals that address national or, or global challenges. Um, but I think that's certainly something we need to think about going forward is that issue of, um, of time and, and, and providing predictability uh, around funding um, and financial support over a sustained uh, period of time. And we've seen, um, I think we also need to impress on, on, on government um, that, that interdisciplinary research will leverage European success. And we're seeing that. Uh, Coalesce awardees are, are going on to have success within Horizon 2020, and indeed, most recently, a synergy grant uh, in ERC. And certainly from a council point of view, the focus, I think, on early career researchers is really important. What are we doing at the earliest stages of the formation of a researcher and, uh, in, in terms of interdis interdisciplinarity? We, we have a complete, we have a very open approach to funding, but to what extent will an early career researcher say interdisciplinary research is where, is, is what I, that's what I want my career trajectory to be. What is the opportunity cost of that in a system which, which tends to reward 
um, you know, a high degree of, um, you know, a high degree of monodisciplinary uh, research. And I think that's a major issue. It was really interesting at the same seminar that the, that the, um, the minister spoke at, um, Mike Beery, I think is his name, from Amazon Web Services, spoke about how important it is in his team to have interdisciplinary, to have an interdisciplinary uh, staff. And he spoke specifically, he was on his I think arts and humanities uh, colleagues go, go back and listen to it because he spoke about the role that arts and humanities um, people with an arts and humanities background play in his team um, in terms of that critical appraisal and um, having the skills to be able to do certain things that his tech staff can't really do. And um, so it was really interesting. So let's not, let's pretend, let's not forget that we're um, in funding interdisciplinary research, we're not just supporting people for careers in academia. We must think much broader for careers in enterprise, in public policy, and, and civil society. Um, the council have, have also sought to progress interdisciplinarity through international collaboration. So we have a we have a, um, a very uh, vibrant collaboration with UKRI on digital humanities, and we want to fund more of that. Um, and that I think has been more successful in. In, because it's running over a longer time frame, time frame providing the time for net for consortia to really gel together, uh, and that's that's clear, and um, that the, that consortia are really coming together and they have time for the relationships to develop, and then the main the main project grant call will come at the end of that, but we've actually put a lot of effort into relationship building uh, in the initial phases of, of, of the project. Um, so that's, that's that's another important uh, priority for us. Um, is, 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 is collaborating with like-minded international partners on interdisciplinary research. Um, another thing we, we, we've sought to do, um, and, and sometimes the relationships can be built with relatively small funding. So, so Jane will know that we have a creative connections call. Um, and so we, we've worked as well as funding uh, primary research as such, we're also trying to fund um, networking opportunities to, as I said, to enable those relationships to form. Um, and we funded around 12, um, at least 12 interdisciplinary projects that bring together AHS and STEM and to run conferences to create networks and to bring collaboration forward. Um, and one of, the, we, we, one of the things we did after the first round of that, of that um, process was to, was to ask the uh, PIs, the people who had Run those first six projects. What have you learned about interdisciplinarity, um, and what recommendations would you make to the system, um, and indeed to funders, um, uh, you know, for the second call? So we published a synthesis report with the second call that is available on, on the on, on the on our website. And um, if you look up Creative Connections, you'll see a, a synthesis report, and that made some really really interesting uh, recommendations about change. You know, about and I'm just looking through the report. About changing attitudes, um, about education training of early career researchers, um, about knowledge transfer and impact, um, and of course recommendations to, to research funders as well. And so it's definitely worth um, worth perusal. Um, and certainly we, it's our objective to try and reflect these recommendations over the longer term uh, in what we do. So I don't know how much time I have left. I can't actually see their their um, I suspect you're coming to the end okay. of it, uh, uh, Peter. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think we've, the council, from our perspective, we fund individual researchers. So we, we do what we can, but there's a whole sectoral, and uh, there's a whole sectoral dimension. There's a whole 
other dimension around the culture of institutions and what they do, and then a whole national dimension. So we need to come together. Um, we need a, I think we need a much more coherent long-term plan for the support and development of interdisciplinary research. I think we need clear objectives, deliverables and targets for IDR and its relationship with societal challenges and opportunities. Um, and I think also that we need to bring together the intersectoral and the interdisciplinary dimension. Could, could, could this whole agenda be stronger if we recognize that maybe those, those two dimensions belong together? And um, because other sectors such as civil society or public policy, they don't really care um, what discipline you're in. What they care about is that, that people are, bright people are coming together to help them solve problems. So I think there's an opportunity to bring the intersectoral and interdisciplinary dimension together. Um, and we, we need to focus on the how as well as the what. Um, should, should we be looking at, um, you know, again, in the context of national strategy, building in a percentage of funding allocations for IDR um, that should be built into research funder budgets? Um, there are things we certainly can do. Um, but they'd be, they'd be kind of among, among some of the areas that I think we need to look at. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Peter. Um, obviously, we'll go over to Q questions now. There's lots of them. But just to reinforce what Peter said, one of those Creative Connections grants actually um, uh, uh, helped to get Shape ID going. And I think from you know Ireland Inc's perspective, the investment of 10,000 euro helped to unlock a CSA, a, a, a coordinating support action, which is what, of course, Shape ID is. So the importance of relatively small amounts of money to really engender uh, interdisciplinary uh, uh, networks. So uh, uh, thank you very much, Peter. It's nice to have a, a national case study. Uh, over to now our panel. There's lots of questions coming in here, but I'd like to focus. Uh, there are two around early career researchers that I think go very well together. So it's from uh, 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 Aga who works at the AHRC in the UK. Um, and she's talking about PhD opportunities are within traditional departmental or disciplinary structures. Um, so from the experience of our panel, what is the best way to encourage an interest in interdisciplinarity research involving AHSS and STEM and the development of uh, IDR skills amongst AHS doctoral students uh, and early career researchers. And there's a related question from Andrew Jones in this space, who's uh, joining us from Lithuania. And his question is, how might early career humanities researchers connect with researchers in uh, STEM uh, areas outside of their home institution? So the opportunities, for example, for mentoring uh, and, and networking. So I wonder if we can start with those two questions. And I don't know, uh, I think we go across the panel. Uh, Milena, can we start with you and then Yes, time? please. This is one of my favorite topics. Well, please share your insights. Uh, it's uh, not insights. I actually did something that uh, uh, triggered interdisciplinarity. Now, uh, when I was chair of the standing committee for the humanities of the now non-existing ESF, one of the big questions was how to foster uh, interdisciplinarity, especially with young scholars, uh, you know, I won't be precise, but with young people. So uh, either PhD students or early career researchers or call them whatever you like. And we came to this ingenious idea, actually I did, but I had great help from a Dutch colleague of mine and Alice who's sitting in the uh, audience will know exactly whom I'm referring to. 
And together we came up with the topic, water. And we got 36 young early career researchers physically together. We stashed them away in Streza, Italy, which is absolutely beautiful, but far away from everything. You're dealing with young people, so you know you have to think where the closest discotheque is. In this case, it was a three hour drive to Milan. We were re being really mean uh, uh, about this, but what happened? The first evening, they all met up. They sat at tables according to their disciplines for dinner. So uh, uh, my colleague and I said, this is it. From breakfast next morning, they mixed around all the time. This was as far as the personal contact. They had great introductory talks by the leading names, both from Europe and the US on interdisciplinarity. And they started to mix. The first day people came up to me and said, you know, why are we doing this? This is ridiculous, the young ones. By the end of the week, because it was a one week event, uh, they were enamored with the uh, interdisciplinarity. There's no other word for it. They started an online journal on water research. It's still going strong. You wouldn't believe it. It's open access and all the rest of it. And one of the uh, uh, young people from Germany got the first post as a professor of uh, interdisciplinarity at a German university. So if you ask me, th these things do not cost as much as you would think. I'm trying to think in you know, agency terms, but the benefit is unbelievable. And there was a similar event organized in the UK later on, the same effects. And this is the question that I think Peter put, you know, how do you get these young people? You have to make them aware that this unbelievable world of other disciplines and working for the general good and for humans and I don't know what exists there. Once you get over that hurdle, many, not all, but many will uh, uh, be attracted at least to interdisciplinary topics of different kinds. Thanks very much, uh, Malena. What I found in the Trinity Long Room Hub, where we bring 20 disciplines from across the arts, humanities, social sciences together, is by spending a year side by side, interdisciplinarity becomes second nature um, exactly. to our early career researchers. And that's the value of some of these research institutes where you mix everybody up and you forget who's a historian, who's a linguist, who's a lawyer, it doesn't matter. We're all focused on uh, uh, solving whatever the uh, problems are or asking the right sort of questions in different ways. Tobias, what are your thoughts here about early career researchers and how we actually make it happen? Well, it's not the top of my expertise, but I think that uh, some simple advice would be to to make, if you are a part of university research institute, to to try to make the management being more preoccupied with this, because you know if you look at Horizon Europe and also what's happening in national research councils, everything points at uh, having more funding available for these new complex problems. Uh, so. Uh, I can just support what's been already said and I'll I'll come back to a question where I have more to say because <laughs> there are probably people from the RCN in this uh, room that probably knows this much more than I do. 
Thank you. Thanks, Tobias. And Peter, obviously the IRC funds, what, 1,400 early career researchers. Most of them are in disciplines. From, from your perspective, what should we be doing um, uh, uh, to, to address these issues? Yeah, um, one, of, one of the things we have in, in Ireland, and it, it's been somewhat dormant, but it is actually now being, um, being re, kind of reignited, is a, a national doctoral training framework, so a doctoral education framework. Um, and in fact, um, a, a third party has been appointed to review the implementation of, of, the, of the framework. Um, and I think that will probably lead to the basis for a further iteration of, of how we do doctoral education um, in Ireland. And I, I think there's a, a big opportunity there to speak more about interdisciplinarity um, uh, and, you know, and the importance of, of developing researchers that are um, that are capable of interdisciplinary collaboration. So certainly, that's something that I'll be um, that I'll be looking at uh, in the context of engaging in that forum. And um, beyond that, I think we, you know, we need to um, look at good practice um, in other countries. And um, I, I'd love to hear um, more about, uh, you know, given that UKRI has cohered into a single agency, but still with their individual councils. How are they? Um, how are they going to um, foster interdisciplinary research at all career stages? It's certainly something I'm open to talk more to the UK or I about. Um, but I think I think we need to really, we've seen some examples from Elena of, of good practice uh, in Germany with the appointment of new pro professorial posts. And of course, any, any, any such post has a, a huge role in the cultivation of early career researchers. Um, so I think we need to look at good practice in other countries and take the best of what we can find. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Melania, you want to get back in here. Uh, yes, to I'd like to, you know, getting people together, as you said, uh, Jane, is one of the fundamental things, and it works fantastically, mm -hmm. whether a year or a week. However, what is happening across Europe and what I find very, very promising is the change in university programs mm -hmm. uh, where you get in physics, for instance, a compulsory course on time and space from a philosophical uh, point of view. And you, in biomedicine, bioethics, and I don't know what, it's happening. You have it at KU Leuven, you have it in Edinburgh, you have it all around the place. These are small steps, it's not interdisciplinarity. And one thing I would like to stress is, whatever discipline you do, you have to be really good at it in order to do interdisciplinary research. This is no joke. But it's happening at university level, not just in doctoral programs, but even at lower uh, uh, instances. Yeah. And, and Melania, you're right. It's a pipeline and, and it needs to start actually with an, an, in an undergraduate context. Ideally, it's really, uh, 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 but you're right. You've got to have strong disciplines to have strong interdisciplinarity. I completely agree. I'm going to invite Jack Spappen, who is a member of Shape ID. He had a question. Uh, Jack, uh, would you mind just asking your question yourself, please? Jack, you need to unmute yourself. Okay, if that's not gonna work, will I ask it? Um, Jack, you're muted, so I can see you, but I, I just- Sorry, can't... I was uh, thinking that I, I got unmuted, but can you hear me now? <laughs> now we can hear you, Jack, please okay. go ahead. Well, listening to the wonderful presentations today and also to the panel discussion we had yesterday, um, I, 
my question is basically what can we do ourselves as art humanities and social sciences to become part of this bigger um, operation, these grand schemes, the grand challenges, whatever have you. Um, we are very good in uh, contributing to, let's say, making sense of this crazy world of uh, protecting democracy, of um, bringing uh, historical insights into the world, and etc. But apparently, uh, there are still hesitations yeah, with the funders and with policymakers about the value of uh, art humanities and social sciences. Yesterday, we heard that, for instance, uh, the evidence is often uh, doubted that we bring because it's not the kind of evidence policymakers get from STEM fields. And so, there's my question is can we really become? Uh, part of these big uh, grand challenges and, and the funding that uh, goes with it and integrate. We see from the integration reports from the European Commission that it is going very slowly and only for some specific fields like the more economic or business oriented fields and not from, from the more traditional fields in the art humanities and social sciences. So what can we do uh, while on the one hand staying true to our uh, true nature, so to say, and on the other hand, to really uh, make clear what kind of value we have and and uh, and uh, are important for these inter and transdisciplinary operations. Thank you very much, Jack. Um, Tobias, why don't we start with you there, if you don't mind, given that you were so involved in, in that review work uh, around integration. Yes, um, I agree that uh, it seems it seems difficult uh, for for the less known SSH disciplines to, to get the foot inside, let's say. Uh, and I think I, I I have hopes for this becoming better because um, one of the first things Paquet said when I was still there in nineteen in in, in uh, twenty eighteen when he, he started as a director general was that he wanted to really uh, take this more seriously when it comes to defining topics across directors and units. So he said he wanted to lock 10, 15 people inside the room for a couple of weeks and they could not get out before they've, you know, uh, took, taken every angle of, of what's worth in, in a topic text. So I think that's promising. I think it also has to do with making yourselves known to other disciplines and to research councils and politicians. Uh, and demand that the European Commission and research councils have the right competence, just as we expect from the applicants. So, you know, uh, we want now all the researchers across disciplines to work together and to, to have every angle covered in in the Green Deal and in societal challenges. And, and quite often, of course, this is not the case in the, in the Research Council or in the European Commission uh, department. Of course, they really gather a lot of input for, through conferences, seminars, um, meetings with associations, etc. But I think we can try to make those bodies work more 
towards the interdisciplinarity and recruit that way and re-educate people who deal with the topic writing, etc. This I think we can demand from them. Um, but for that to be done, you have to raise your voice. So I'll stop there for a minute. But raising our voices is a very important part of building that sense of confidence within the community that I think we've all been touching on. Um, and I think Jack was referring to that as well. Um, I don't know if Milena or Peter want to come in here. Um, uh, Milena, do you just signal if you do? Or maybe not. No, I'm going to Please. start speaking because, uh, you know, sometimes, I mean, you cannot take care of all of us, Jane. You'd be, you know, unbelievable if you did, but uh, this is it. No, the thing that I see is, uh, uh, although I've been saying this for ages, this uh, interdisciplinary uh, whole, the whole story around it in research, in university education, in whatever you take, it's a long process. It does not come about overnight. To be very honest with you, it took me 20 years to get where I am at the moment with the neuroscience guys, but don't think it takes that long. Uh, but uh, when I teach, for instance, I teach theoretical linguistics, but when I teach, you'd be surprised. My students here in Zagreb are totally aware of the, you know, what interdisciplinarity is about, you know, all the pros and cons, etc. And many do go on to do very interesting things, both uh, as researchers and you know, people that work in different institutions. But to go back to your, the original question, uh, the person who put this question, you know, how do we do interdisciplinary work? And then there was a clause about not losing our identity or words to that effect, if I'm right. I don't think you lose your identity. And what I said before stands, you really have to be a good linguist. I'm sorry for taking my example, but it doesn't matter. Take it metaphorically. Uh, in order to collaborate with neuroscientists and vice versa, you have to be an excellent neuroscientist to work with linguists and also anthropologists and all kinds of uh, uh, disciplines that come under our heading, so to speak. Uh, and uh, getting the others to appreciate us, I'll tell you what, it's so simple, you work with them. Mm. If you only think that this is going to fall out of the blue sky, it doesn't. Mm. Uh, I think that I have managed in the really small community of linguists in Croatia to change uh, uh, the outside, let's call it life sciences, biomedical perception of us, not just linguists, but the whole humanities crowd. But I worked with them. We worked together. We came, what you said, up with questions, etc., uh, uh, etc. Et uh, we found solutions for certain problems, and then they start to see you as, you know, uh, somebody they can rely on, somebody that is just as uh, um, I would say, you know, has the necessary expertise that they lack. And when you work together with them, it's you know a clear road in front of you. It's not a tunnel with, you know, darkness at the very end or something like that. So try working with them. It's a good way to solve this. <laughs> Milena, that's been my experience. I've been collaborating with computer scientists now for nearly 15 years. It takes time to build trust. Um, but also to begin with, we didn't speak a common language. No. And again, it takes time. It's so important. Um, uh, Peter, do you want to come in here? You may not. Yeah, and you're muted, Peter. So please unmute yourself. Yeah, just I mean, just um, I think it's largely been covered. But um, 
I mean, I think we need to try and move away from a situation where we have kind of individual disciplinary representatives, you know, going to say government departments or whatever, saying, you know, science is the answer. Um, and then we have people from the arts and humanities then separately going and saying, you know, can we be part of the, can we, can we join the party too? I mean, it's, that's, not, that's not the solution. So what we need, I think, to do, I think it's probably a two-stage process where we need to create vibrant interdisciplinary teams um, within institutions and then to have articulate team leaders who, rep who don't represent any one discipline being able to very coherently make the case to, um, to, to, to you know, external partners um, uh, for, for, for how an interdisciplinary, you know, an interdisciplinary approach helps to solve um, a particular societal problem. Mm. Thank you, Peter. So uh, th there's two questions that are sort of related to this discussion, one from Sarah Royston from Anglia Ruskin University and another um, from uh, uh, Cornelius Holtorf. Um, I'm not sure where Cornelius is, is joining us from, but it's really and I'll try and combine them and then sort of ask a question on the back of it. It's, it's about reflections on differentiation within the very broad category of social sciences, humanities and arts. And um, I want to allow us to focus particularly on the arts because Milena at the very outset said the arts become so important at moments of crisis and yet the arts are not being addressed uh, uh, certainly and it was interesting Tobias listening to you talk about how you wanted to increase the proportion of funding for humanities and social sciences but you didn't mention the arts at all so I'm gonna sort of ask all of you to, to reflect where the arts stand but also the uh, current monitoring and flagging mechanisms that are within the uh, uh, horizon um, Europe program, obviously, we, Tobias, again, you mentioned this. Um, and does that allow for, if you want, nuance and differentiation across the AHSS? Um, and could I, uh, you know, also say that if something is flagged, and this is a question for all three of you, um, that the Commission then needs to put its money where its mouth is in terms of, well, if the AHSS really isn't fully integrated that they don't actually then fund. So it's, it's the relationship between flagging and funding and then the position of the arts. Um, Peter, what, what, do you want to start on that? And then we'll sort of maybe go to Tobias and, and then to, to Milena. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have an, I suppose I don't, I don't have a huge, huge response at this stage. I mean, we, we uh, you know, from a council point of view, we don't, you know, we, we fund all disciplines, so we don't prioritize one, we don't pr prioritize one discipline out, um, over another. Um, so we're very, you know, we very much try and support excellence across all disciplines. Um, I think beyond that, I would defer probably to, to, to Tobias in terms of how, you know, how you can get greater integration, um, you know, in stuff like Horizon Europe. Yeah, thanks, Tobias. Vice, we can't hear you. Uh, this is a tricky question. I think uh, in the RCN context, the arts are, you know, fairly integrated in the, let's say, umbrella of, uh, of humanities, as far as I know. Um, in the European Commission, we, we didn't include the A in most uh, meetings and reports, that's true. Um, we had, enough challenges by you know trying to 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 include include disciplines in the humanities umbrella mm -hmm. uh, and then we got a little bit help from the european parliament and others 
uh, where arts really was put in the if not in the front but as really part of the creative industries term mm. uh, and the digital humanities were quite a good focus in the ict part i remember uh, but i think clearly uh, this can be difficult i see both in the national context in the european context a little bit uh, the missions as helpful in this regard to try to to broaden the scope a little bit but uh, this will certainly will not be be easy so uh, that's all i can say now Th thank you very much uh, tobias uh, melena can i turn to you do you have any thoughts on this oh yes uh, you know i'm one of these people that has thoughts on everything but i've been in this game for so long it would be unusual if i hadn't <laughs> uh uh well yes uh for instance, you mentioned the missions, uh, Tobias, and I'm glad you have. In the Lamy report, and you mentioned Pascal Lamy as being a what? A proponent or opo opponent of multidisciplinarity? Which one was it? I couldn't pick that out. I certainly, back a few years ago, read uh, the report with enthusiasm and, uh, and saw a lot of promising elements in his report. That's true. Okay, I'm glad to hear that because I was one of the authors of it. So, you know, a group of 12 people trying to envision the future of research forever. I sort of, you know, like to joke. Uh, but one of the things there that was printed in bold, and since I was the only humanist there, I don't have to tell you who actually insisted that it be printed in bold is it said that missions can be, that the social sciences and humanities uh, can uh, uh, join other, you know, uh, topics, etc. But that people, or rather researchers from the humanities and social sciences, can trigger off missions which are SSH-led. And this was our idea that you could have a topic, a real-world topic, and this here I would include the arts very, very much. Uh, 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 that starts from our point of view, so to speak. So far, I don't know if I have enough information, I hope not. Uh, there have been no suggestions yet at commission level of a mission that would be instigated by SSH or arts or anything. If this is true, and I say if, maybe, you know, the information I'm getting is not correct, I'm hoping it's not, then we have a problem if I may be very direct with ourselves, so to speak. Uh, uh, sometimes I feel that our communities, and I use this in the plural because, you know, it's not just arts and the rest, uh, we're too timid to come up with bold, if you like, uh, uh, suggestions towards someone, whether it be at national level or European or even the international level. Uh, maybe it's because, you know, we were soft sciences, so to speak, for so long that everybody uh, sort of mentally adapts to this. But I think that this is definitely the past tense for our communities. I'm hoping that amongst the younger scholars, there will be enough, and I, I'm not saying this as a, you know, wishful thinking. I know they're out there. Uh, I would very much like their uh, seniors to push them to express these unbelievable ideas that they have and go, go for it, as the Americans say, uh, 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 for a mission and get all these people together. And it's possible. It started with the Lamy report, but now it's integrated into uh, uh, the 
well, what we know about Horizon Europe at the moment. So it's there. It's a thing of picking up on it and trying to do it. Thank you, um, Milena. Again, I think that's inspiring what you're saying. I would have loved to have seen a big missioner and say the crisis of democracy or, and that would draw all disciplines in or issues around equality and inequality. I think there are many, many, many major mission topics that could be very meaningfully led uh, from an AHSS perspective. Peter, please get in here. Yeah, just, 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 just to mention, because I was kind of reflecting on the question when you came to me, so <laughs> probably hadn't quite formed um, a comprehensive answer. But um, like one again, we try and we try and progress this, this kind of agenda and um, through partnership. So one of our one of our partners is Creative Ireland, um, and you know, trying so trying to uh, integrate the voice of arts researchers in the further development of policy, you know, on the arts uh, and the role of the arts in in you know the role the role of the arts in 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 helping i suppose to put a put a lens um in front of you know particular social challenges or whatever so again i mean our approach is very much to 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 help progress this agenda through through partnerships and i'm i'm trying to think about how that might work on a european level um that's obviously a lot more complex but certainly nationally that's the approach we take yeah and and peter again and and melena's already hinted at it we know that the arts make audible what later becomes visible the the like the canaries in the mind so having them absolutely integrated mm. not in a tokenistic way but in a very deep and meaningful way i think is incredibly incredibly important we're running out of time folks and there are other questions but i don't think we have got time for another uh, round of them and um we have a colleague joining us from buenos aires uh, in argentina but cecilia i think the conversation we've just had actually addresses the question that you were answering anyway but i just love to think of you there sitting in Buenos Aires joining us today is fantastic and never mind uh, everywhere else in, in, in Europe. Before uh, we wrap things up, I just want to go back to our panel and just say, is there anything else that you'd like to leave the audience with in terms of, I think we, we, we Milena's point about we've made huge progress in 20 years and clearly I think there's great opportunity for further progress, but if there was just a single thing that the panel would like our audience to take away in terms of what we should be doing to ensure the AHSS voices are heard, what would that single thing be? Elena, can I start with you, just as I say, a final thought um, uh, in terms of calling us to arms, what, what would be your single piece? I'd, I'll be uh, uh, very uh, uh, you know, quick about it or short. Uh, take the opportunities. Uh, uh, when I say I don't necessarily mean you, I think that national uh, funding agency also have a mission, since one, it's one of the key words, in identifying possibly people who can take up these big, big, big projects and who have the potential. And uh, even, you know, providing funds for the initial steps that are necessary. Let's say for this happens in the ERC grants very often that funding agencies give money to individuals uh, who apply to the ERC and actually get you know, huge chunks of money because that is what it is about. So take all opportunities. And I never miss an opportunity of telling people from different domains, researchers, that they cannot do without us, that they can come to a certain point, but then they have this enormous knowledge and what are they going to do with it? Mm -hmm. And that's my point. 
Great. Seize the uh, opportunity. That's a great piece of advice. Tobias, what would you, that one bit of advice? I think it's going to be very important now to balance the complexity and people's expectations. So the impact and societal effects are becoming more complex, but they also, in the other side, they, they point at the need to engage ordinary citizens more deeply in research and innovation development. So I think the Shape ID and other ambassadors for ASSH have a, has a job to do. For example, citizen science. This is kind of the new buzzword and I'm a little bit worried about this. Mm. Uh, in the commission, the understanding of SSH still varies a lot, even though it's better than it used to be. It will be challenging to improve this when terms like citizen science, societal effects, social innovation, trust, public engagement are used randomly in the strategic plan and in, in the work program texts. Mm -hmm. So Shape ID and others, you have to underline this. Mm -hmm. uh, social sciences and humanities research and innovation must be much more than public engagement, behavioral change and acceptance of technology. So yeah, I think, uh, no, I completely agree. We're all tired of tokenism. It has to be meaningful. It has to be reciprocal. Mm. And then the commission has to put its money where its mouth is and, and fund it, uh, uh, or not, if if it's not truly integrated. So, uh, uh, and I said that, not you, <laughs> uh, uh, Tobias. Uh, I'm putting words in your mouth there. Peter, final word. Uh, uh. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, uh, the citizen engagement thing is really interesting. And, and it appears that the, the minister, from an Irish perspective, it appears that the minister is going to announce an initiative, um, an initiative, you know, um, before the end of the year uh, around, you know, the engagement of the public in, in identifying what Ireland's research priorities should be going forward. And um, so that's that's something there's, you know, that's a key opportunity, I think, to get some, you know, to, to, to um, have very strong input from, from the arts, humanities and social sciences and, and to make a very strong case for the need for interdisciplinary research. Mm -hmm. uh, I suppose the only other thing um, is, that, and this has come through in some, in, in, in some you know, some, um, uh, some prior work in this area, is there a need for, is there a need for some form of a national network for interdisciplinary research that would try and mm -hmm. bring it all together? And they would try and develop case studies. They would try and, um, you know, bring in researchers from lots of different disciplines, and to, and to, to kind of drive this agenda forward. Great, thank you very much, Peter. Thank you, uh, our three panelists. And just before we sign off, um, just to say it's been a fabulous conversation, just bristling with insights. Uh, we'll um, be sending out a short survey tomorrow, so we would love you to give you your feedback. It'll only take a few minutes to complete because it's really important that we get your sense of the conversation and um, uh, uh, what it's meant to you. Um, we have a, a webinar coming up on the 10th of December. Uh, it's called Professionalizing Inter and Transdisciplinary Research Expertise. Um, uh, and we've got Sabine Hoffman, who's joining us from the Swiss Federal Institute of Aquatic Science and Technology, uh, Nikki Brandt from uh, TU Delft, and Petra 
Biberhofer from uh, 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 the um, Participatory Science Academy at University of Zurich and ETH Zurich. So we hope you'll be able to join us uh, uh, for that. Please sign up to our mailing lists, uh, follow us on uh, Twitter. So uh, just a few thank yous. I want to thank Diren uh, Wallace, the project manager for Shape ID, who does such a fabulous job in uh, organizing uh, these events. So thank you, Diren. And then our colleagues in Trinity, uh, uh, Aoife and Francesca especially, who work so hard along with Giovanna and, and the team. I want to thank you all for joining us. It's just been fantastic to have so many of you with us uh, this afternoon. And, and then last but not least, to thank our three panelists who have done such a fantastic job. So I, I don't, we can all unmute uh, uh, un, 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 un ourselves and give you all a big round of applause and huge thanks. Uh, everybody uh, stay well, and we look forward to seeing you on the uh, 10th of the December. The Hub is a community. So Manuscript, book, and print cultures, stamping provenance towards the history of the Time of Year Library. As well as being heard. The Hub is a space. Contemplating Ireland through the communities created by Coral The Hub is about impact. The Hub is for everyone. Here's to the next 10 years.